0: Hello, and welcome to the Medical Device Success Podcast. I am Ted Newell, your host. The goal of this podcast is to contribute to your success and, in turn, help you contribute to the success of your medtech company. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This is a crazy time to start a podcast with the coronavirus dominating the news. However, there are important things we medical device professionals can be doing in this altered landscape of strategies and tactics for marketing, sales, and operations. So, working in the era of the coronavirus, hopefully a short era, will be the subject of this first season of episodes. Let's get started. Today's episode is about medical events and trade shows and how the COVID-19 virus has impacted these very important parts of the marketing plan for any medical device company. Today, we are honored to have Lisa Bixel as our guest. Lisa is an expert in this subject matter and an expert in many other marketing and sales matters as well. She has served as a marketing and sales leader at a number of venerable medical device companies, including Kodak in the years it dominated imaging, GE Healthcare, and Covidian. Then in 2014, she decided to start the Bixel Medical Marketing Group. And since then, it has grown into a team of about 15 experts in all areas that serve the medical device industry. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. And my first question is, what prompted you to start your own firm?
1: Thanks, Ted, for inviting me today. And uh, yes, so I am CEO and founder of Pixel Medical Marketing Group, and we've enjoyed a six-year run now of having our, our doors open and helping small medical device biotech, diagnostic, and even pharmaceutical startups. In my career of nearly 40 years of, I've worked through a number of different small companies that were ultimately acquired or merged with larger organizations, and I've gone through that cycle about a dozen times, and uh, all my colleagues at Vixel Medical Marketing Group have similar experiences. So we've been through that cycle many times and just really felt as if, you know, we enjoyed most, I guess, the familial environment of a small startup uh, where you wear multiple hats and everybody rolls up their sleeves and you're working side by side and, you know, you're a frontline with the uh, with the customers and the sales team and you're just, you know, you're growing something that's really special. So we have the opportunity, uh, I did six years ago, to open Pixel Medical Marketing Group and just stay in that space. True, we do have some mid-sized to even large organizations that we support as well. But our real purpose is to support that small startup environment.
0: And then another thing I learned about you when you and I were talking the other day is that you've been very involved with the HCEA, which is also refers to the Healthcare Exhibitors Association. Uh, currently, you're the chair of their annual conference. Can you tell us more about the HCEA?
1: I'd love to. I'm a passionate fan of this organization, Healthcare Exhibitors Association, HCEA. You can go to hcea.org to learn more about them. It's really this collaboration among industry exhibit leaders and associations who um, create the environment for industry for exhibiting. So the uh, the composition of the membership is really those two factions. Um, and so it, it's the only one that I know of in the healthcare specific space. So they're an organization of, again, our, our colleagues who run events and create the environment for uh, industry to exhibit at those events. So if you're not familiar with it, again, as a marketing leader, as an association leader, specifically in the healthcare space, I would suggest that you look them up and consider coming to the August program. I'm co-chair of that conference, and uh, we're currently putting together all of our content, trying to you know ensure that it's not only meaningful to the association side, but also to the industry side, and especially now with the COVID-19. Situation that we're addressing that at the podium as well to give people skills and tools that they can use for the foreseeable future, but then also in the future years when something like that, if it should happen, you know, again, we could be more prepared.
0: So, needless to say, Lisa is well versed to help us with the issues we're discussing today, which are trade shows and events. Let's just define the current situation that most medical device companies find themselves in right now. Our first warning sign was the cancellation of trade shows. Then what happened?
1: Well, the situation is ever-changing, right? I don't believe any of us are on solid footing to where what's going on today is what will be necessarily our situation tomorrow. So this is truly just a snapshot in time, but our situation is that gatherings of people are being discouraged. Whether it's 25,000, 250, or more than even just two people, we're in a social, and I'll even call it a professional, distancing mode and are not to congregate where the coronavirus could spread. For how long, nobody knows yet. I mean, we're hearing things like it could be through Easter, which is one input, um, perhaps through mid-May, which is maybe more the scientific community's response, maybe even longer. But it's safe to say that the medical trade show spring season is gone Uh, for any in-person conferences. For us, spring is a real peak, of times where you've got a lot of medical conference activity, a lot of trade shows, lots of events, and then in the course of the summer, it's pretty quiet. As an industry, you know, we're accustomed to June, July, August, maybe even early September being fairly quiet with a lot of things that uh, you know take us away from having access to our clinicians. And then generally again it ramps back up in the fall, kind of the fall frenzy for trade shows. So um, you know that's our typical calendar and it's being it's being challenged, right, to say the least. And while the topic for today's podcast is mostly about events, this social and again professional distancing has a trickle-down effect as medical marketers were witnessing clinics having reduced hours or being closed altogether. Sales reps on lockdown, our own corporate offices being reduced to virtual teams. And so events is just the tip of the iceberg, really. Of course, we are talking about a broad spectrum, you know, depending on your products. If you're, you know, listening to this podcast, your products, your specialization in healthcare, even your geography might be different. And so your circumstances. Uh, might be vastly different than another commercial team, again, focused in medical marketing, but have a different circumstance. So on the events front, you know, April, May conferences are being postponed to late summer, or early fall. Others are just being canceled until their normal 2021 timing. If you think about a big major conference that you might've been planning to attend, you can't turn those things on a dime and, you know, repeat that in three months. So Uh, Most of the largest conferences that we had on our calendar are actually just canceling and and picking it up again in 2021 at their normal timing. So again, that's kind of our situation du jour, subject to change.
0: And when you and I spoke the other day, you brought up a couple sobering statistics. Uh, What are you seeing?
1: Again, you know, just... A couple of sound bites here, things that might, again, be changing by the moment, but uh, according to a poll from Events Force, which happened earlier this month, half of event planners have said that COVID-19 is having a major impact on their exhibit program. Another organization, UFI, which is a global association for um, exhibiting industry, they said that at the time of their discussion, their interview, again, just a, a couple weeks ago, over 500 trade shows have been disrupted. In recent weeks, and there's an estimated cost of 26 billion, B as in Bravo, 26 billion in lost orders for exhibiting companies.
0: Wow, 26 billion. That's pretty tough to swallow. I know that in the market that I spend most of my time in, in ophthalmology, a small company going to a trade show is probably looking at hoping to bring in who knows you know fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars in business a medium-sized to large company they're looking at taking five million to seven million or eight million dollars in orders and deals at that trade show and now all those opportunities are gone you know so here we are in a really difficult environment um Are there other strategies and tactics companies could execute to stay top of mind, Uh, you know, continue to gain access to decision makers and end users, gain favor and earn some sales? There are some opportunities, right?
1: Of course, and and that's absolutely true. Events is just one element of the marketing mix. but it typically is the single largest budget line item for a medical marketing department so there are other things that could be done from a marketing activity perspective and those things can still be leveraged but the fact is that exhibiting at medical conferences usually isn't in isolation it has associated ties to your other marketing activities so they're all you know kind of connected so let me explain a little bit further you know, the the details of why a company exhibits at a medical conference Certainly can vary. Uh, In some instances, it may just be that they feel they have to attend because their customers expect to see them there. It's a show of support, solidarity for their society, their medical specialty, but usually it's more substantive than that. And they want to achieve objectives such as launching a product, communicating expanded indications from the FDA, sharing new clinical evidence at the podium, or uh, at least in a poster presentation, Um, or they want to train healthcare professionals on their technology in the booth space that they have, or maybe even on the show floor in some society driven workshop, hands-on workshop area. So you can see that just shutting off the trade show activity and leveraging other elements of the marketing mix isn't that clean. Again, it's all interconnected. So in this podcast, one of the things we want to communicate, the most important thing we want to suggest is that people take a deep breath, and think clearly about the event management program as part of the overall marketing strategy and realize some changes are in order. They're gonna be warranted in 2020, this exceptional time that we're living in. And the more you can act rather than react, all the better for getting ahead of it and staying ahead of it.
0: So what should a marketing leader or specifically the director of clinical education and events be doing in this new environment as they, want to act as opposed to react?
1: It's a good question, and that really you know, has a lot of facets to it. So uh, let's dig into it, showing When you learn that an upcoming medical conference's question was to whether it's going to actually happen as it has been planned, you should first try and determine from the society, are they thinking uh, postponement or cancellation, as that's going to impact you differently? Uh, It's gonna drive your action planning. So uh, let's tackle the idea that the medical conference is just going to be postponed. So the first thing you need to do and quickly is to review the dates of the rescheduled events. It's likely gonna present you with one or two challenges that are sizable. The first one being that it's going to maybe be scheduled at a time when you generally aren't planning for a medical conference, such as the summer months or especially in August, um, maybe even into early September when so many people are in a family vacation mode. Now, again, that's normal and we're not in normal. So I understand that you know these things might all be disrupted. But you know, again, we typically think of as medical marketers that you know the summer months are going to be kind of quiet from an events perspective. Now you throw a rescheduled event into that summer mix and that time frame and it's going to be disruptive because you, you know, you've got to plan for that appropriately. Or the second situation that also is a challenge, maybe even a greater challenge. Is that it's gonna occur during a time in the fall when we call it the fall frenzy that the medical trade show season is already in full swing and it's gonna be dropped in the middle of a bunch of uh, very busy calendars and you're going to have to plan for now and accommodate this new event or this new rescheduled event. So, you know, first things first in either situation really is to assess your staffing needs if you already have competing events with this newly rescheduled one again presuming it might drop into the fall you you're going to have to think of uh, you know your staffing needs and maybe pull back your staff and when i say staff i'm really thinking sales and marketing your frontline people they traditionally are the you know the working team that hit the ground and cover those events so you might have to think about how they're being deployed those are human resources but you also have other assets like product, demonstration product and booth properties. You have literature and handouts and, you know, maybe even, you know, giveaways of some sort that's AdvoMed compliant. And even leadership can even be spread too thin during a peak event season. So much like the frontline staff, sales and marketing, you might already have uh, committed things like a booth property and your demo equipment and senior leadership. They're going to have to pull back, shuffle them up, assess the situation and redeploy them to the greatest need and opportunity. So, you know, that's another consideration. Uh, You know, when it comes to booth property, that's probably our easiest one. Maybe not our most inexpensive opportunity here, but, you know, if in fact you have already tied up all your booth resources in the fall frenzy, and all of a sudden now a rescheduled event falls in the middle of that, and you don't have booth property for it. You know, you can always go to your exhibit house and rent property, and so at least that's a a shining moment there that doesn't require too much taxing on you, not necessarily your pocketbook. That could still be expensive, but from a logistics perspective, you can lean on your exhibit house.
0: You know, when all this started coming down, I was at a small neuro-ophthalmology meeting in Florida. And while we were sitting there during the breaks, as the, do- the doctors were in sessions and watching our email, many of our shows were getting canceled. One day, one show, the next day, another show, and so on. So some shows are just absolutely being canceled. And I keep thinking back to that $26 million, billion in lost orders. What can people do in the event that the show is canceled? Is there anything they can do to make up for these lost opportunities?
1: Right. It's a a painful reality for many medical companies that look to the spring conferences to fuel the sales leads and the funnel for the rest of the calendar year. So that's absolutely a very, you know, significant pain point. So let's talk about that, you know, event cancellations, uh, whether it's a conference you already know that's been canceled um, or is being considered to be canceled, you know, think about this in advance, get with your finance department, And they're going to want to probably chime in on this point because uh, a medical society who is canceling an event is going to say, you know, do you want to apply those funds to next year or do you want to refund? Generally at a major medical conference, this year, let's say that was in April or May, uh, more than likely you're actually selecting your boost space for next year anyway. So perhaps the best thing for everybody, including finance, but they need to be consulted, um, is to just apply those funds for what will be your 2021 exhibit space. So just rolling it over. So that might make the most sense. That's a quick decision to have to make. If you wanna apply for a refund, you have to do that quickly and for a timely um, refund to take place. There's gonna be a lot of demands and a lot of influx to that society. The next thing that's really kind of urgent and and critical is that reviewing the associated expenses that you had, you know, you have your trade show exhibit space. And, you know, we're talking about that refund, but now you chances are, you know, that you've got airfare, you've got housing, you've got additional meeting spaces, even your exhibit house has been, you know, in design and production efforts. So how do you put a pause on that? So one of the things we, we have been hearing a lot about lately and, and are telling people to do is to review your force majeure policies to see if circumstances in your contract already apply to this situation that we're in with COVID. and um, and that that language might support your cancellation with full refunds. But even if it doesn't, man, we are seeing just humanity at its best. Uh, Many vendors that we're dealing with are offering leniency on cancellation. So, you know, we're all in this together and there are no exception and they're definitely supporting you. So, but that is something to jump right on when you know that there's a cancellation. The the third big element we have uh, to suggest is just know communicate 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 we're marketers that's what we do we're communicators so inform your internal colleagues and any other external stakeholders you might have such as key opinion leaders who maybe we're going to be a part of some hands-on in your booth or some in booth theater or maybe even at the podium in the general sessions but you know let your your key opinion leaders know as well as your internal staff here's the situation What's our short-term plan? What's our long-term plan? Um, you know, what were our company's objectives for these events, and what are we going to do to, you know, accommodate those going forward, and how will they be impacted? So communicate. After this sort of triaging has taken place, and these urgent matters are now a little under control, um, circle back to the medical society um, and ask what their plans are. Generally speaking, if there's been a big medical society uh, event planned. And all of a sudden that's gone, it's canceled. They might be scrambling, sure, but they might also be thinking, okay, what are some alternatives for us for clinical education, which so many clinicians out there look for the medical society meeting to be their source of information for the year. Um, I just did a a survey about uh, two weeks ago to the gastroenterology community and asked that very question, you know, where do you get most of your information? By and large, above all other sources of information, it was that medical conference. So that continues to be true even you know, decades later from previous surveys we might have done. So this is so pivotal for them, the clinicians, to get their clinical knowledge, product knowledge, et cetera. So they're feeling the pain of it as well. So again, with the society, ask them what What are they planning to do from a distance learning perspective? So you might still have a vehicle to reach your audience and achieve your show objectives. Another element to cancellation planning is just what was that educational content that you were preparing for? You know, if if you were lucky enough to have submitted abstracts and had them accepted, you're likely going to have poster presentations, maybe even podium presentations, in-booth theater content, again, society, um, hands-on workshops and things. There's a lot of things you're going to do. So how are you going to repurpose those things and replace them from the in-person approach to something virtual so it's important to ask your society you know are they still going to publish first of all uh, what would have been presented as a poster or a podium presentation generally the official journal of the society will publish all those abstracts in the month of the uh, conference or the month after the conference so you know is that still the plan so you'll still get that publication opportunity and then also ask them is it acceptable for you to post your own webinar or content for what would have been that presentation at the podium or again through a poster. Is that content that you can, can uh, have uh, to do with what you will, or is it still being embargoed for some reason? Get Get the nuts and bolts from your society about that. With that information in hand, again, from the society input, then you can kind of make an informed decision. What are you going to do next if, you know, the answers are kind of No, we're not going to do something from the society perspective, but yes, the content that would have been presented is yours run with it. Okay. So now you've got to determine what is your company driven clinical education plan as an alternative. So, um, look around, is there another industry recognized digital forum that offers clinical education that you can leverage? If you think about it, everybody and their brother will be setting up webinars and virtual conferences you know, you're you're better served to maybe jump on an existing platform through that industry recognized partner rather than uh, competing against them. You know, they're going to be consolidating, streamlining, organizing, and doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Can you be a part of that in some manner that allows that clinical content of yours to get out there? So however, sometimes the forums, these you know, again, industry recognized forms that you've got access to can be expensive. Sometimes they're overly stringent on their timing, um, their control of your content, or even their availability to meet within your, you know, your window of, of availability and your KOLs as well. So you might need to host something on your own. So be mindful though that you'll be facing stiff competition. You're gonna need to recognize that. You know, you're going to have to do something special, unique with your program that's going to stand out from the crowd to ensure good attendance when they're otherwise being bombarded, your audience being bombarded with other opportunities for clinical ed. Aside from clinical education, again, just thinking through this cancellation process, what are all your considerations? If your show objectives were maybe less about clinical evidence, but more about product launch, expanded indications, and more of a technical product nature, then consider mimicking your trade show environment, but now only in a digital form. Things like a virtual walkthrough of what your booth would have been like had they been there in person. Your exhibit house might you know, provide you a 3D rendering and maybe you can animate that and you know, make it be where someone could virtually walk onto your, your carpet um, in a digital forum. Engaging with different graphics and stations. It could be another component that you consider in your virtual trade show that you uh, pull together on your own website, for example. And yes, even integrating a podium or poster presentation that you are going to have as your accepted abstract, but now you want to repurpose that within the confines of your virtual booth space that you can hopefully pull together. A very uh, recent example came to Ted and me this week, which was from a company in the vision care industry, as Ted mentioned. That's a big uh, area of his focus. It's a company called Lombard uh, with a T as in tango at the end. If you visit lombardinstrument.com forward slash virtual booth, you can find really actually a very refreshing, excellent example of how this company has repurposed its trade show environment in a digital realm as a proxy for the canceled medical conference. So they've done this internally or however they developed it. The fact is, is it's hanging off of their website and it's an opportunity for you to basically give everybody, you know, that same experience as they would have had in person on the show floor. But now again, in a virtual uh, remote way. If you don't have the resources, again, I don't know how much Lombard, you know, cost them to do what they did. It looked fairly nice and professional, but maybe not necessarily, you know, a a huge expense for them. But let's just say you don't have the resources internally to do that at all. Um, Consider signing up with a virtual partner for some alternatives. Some examples of that are these companies called Six Connects, uh, Attendees, and another one called InExpo. They are companies, again, who, um, you know, are available to you. I don't know their cost, but again, I do think that, you know, they might be a great example for you to consider.
0: Now, have you ever used one of those tools or, or worked with a company with Six Connects attendees or in Expo?
1: I haven't worked with those particular companies. They are rated highly online. Um, I have done virtual trade shows that I've commissioned myself And worked with my colleagues um, at GE Healthcare in the past. And so, you know, the interesting uh, idea behind this in a virtual environment where you're walking up to a a structure and you're engaging with it, you're going into a theater to learn more about a product, you're sitting down virtually to a session that's being presented. All those things are very familiar. And again, have been really refined and uh, perfected, I think, in this digital realm. So, um, you know, you've got Yes, opportunities to just do like a web conferencing service with a WebEx, a webinar, a Zoom, Uber. You know, you can share slides of what your booth would have looked like. You could have your KOLs present and there's that. That's there's that realm, but there are these organizations again, like uh, Six Connects attendees and In Expo, that you know they are trying to replicate that specific vibe, the sights and the sounds and experiences of the trade show floor, and making it available digitally. So those are ones that, like I said, are are come up to the top if you're looking for highly rated ones and are worth exploring if you're interested in, in that kind of a pathway.
0: Okay, thanks for that. And I was just thinking back over. What you were discussing in terms of you know industry recognized digital forms and or resources that an association might be able to give or offer to um, a small medium sized medical device device firm and I know in the ophthalmic industry for example if we work through the ophthalmic media typically a webinar can cost in the neighborhood of, you know, fifteen to $20,000 if you're using one of the media companies to help you execute the webinar. And it seems like a lot of money, but you do get a lot for that. You get some advertising, both in emails and in print advertising, announcing the coming webinar and so on. So you do get something for that. And that advertising also then supports your company and the product and being top of mind and everything. But sometimes that's a lot of money. That's one issue yeah. for a smaller company. And then the other issue is getting it scheduled because there's probably a lineup of other companies, maybe larger ones, that have jumped in and taken this space because they can only produce so many webinars at one time. So I guess uh, a small to medium sized company might find themselves producing their own webinar and using their own, you know, communicating that to their own database. Or purchasing the deployment capability of one of the media publishers to send out that information, but then, you know, producing it and executing it on their own.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's not it's not for everybody. You know, not everybody's budget can afford something like these professional companies that do the high-end webinars. I personally have not used them in a long time because I felt comfortable enough with just my own subscription to go to webinar or WebEx that I can I can do it on my own. And if you think about it, if if you're right, that I already have my own target list of my audience that I would like to invite. Um, I already have a subscription to uh, WebEx or GoToMeeting or whatever the, the tool is. And I already have a relationship with my key opinion leaders who would be my faculty. And I can get a rendering from my exhibit house and have something that would Um, You know, be a visual for them to see what it would have looked like in person on the show floor. You know, I've got a lot of the parts and the pieces to just pull it all together. You know, maybe at worst case, you're looking at, you know, some work on your end for sure internally to do social media and email blasts and, you know, any kind of uh, notifications that can drive attendance. And then, you know, your web conferencing services, maybe something that's already, you know, cost of. Of, of your company as it is right now they don't there's not an incremental cost for you to do this it's already a subscription that you enjoy and then the worst you know part of that might just be at a modest expense with your kol to say you know let's do a rehearsal let's do a live program i'll pay you an honorarium for this and maybe that's really your only obligation um, in terms of hard costs the rest of it could just be, you know, again, internal work on your, you and your team. So those can be done, again, for that small and, you know, mid-sized company that doesn't have the resources to hire somebody externally to do a full, you know, 360-degree program for them.
0: And when you think about the cost, you know, organizing it, deploying it, paying honorariums, and so on and so forth, that's pretty reasonable perhaps if you consider that instead of attending a, a conference with you know who knows how many anywhere from four to 20 uh, staff at a conference the room the travel the the per diem uh, the the other exhibit costs that you have once the um, you're setting up your exhibit and so on not just the shipping of the exhibit into the place but so many other costs um, if you exchange that for a couple good, webinars or other type of media events, um, it could play out pretty well.
1: I agree. I, I feel as if, you know, you, you can't deny that in the uh, planning for and the uh, management of what would have been an in-person event, you know, chances are you've already got some cost, right? You, you might not get 100% refund for all the things that you've spent money on. And certainly your time and your team's time in planning and preparing for that, is a sunk cost. So that's unfortunate, but, uh, on the flip side, you know, you can try and accomplish some of the objectives that you had in alternative ways that might be much more financially feasible for, for you. And, um, and, you know, kind of be a silver lining. You can do what you need to, you can control it. You can invite your audience and, you know, and still succeed. Absolutely.
0: Now, uh, for our listeners, I just want you to know that in the show notes, I'm going to create a um, quick checklist that reviews much of what Lisa just covered and some of the points that I made um, so that you can refer to that. I might even have a download for that off of my website. So look for that in the show notes and that could be helpful. Uh, We've covered a lot of information and during a podcast, you know, definitely it's hard to take notes. (laughs) So um, perhaps that'll be helpful. So we know where we stand with trade shows. So what's next? Any other advice to impart?
1: Yeah, I I do have a a couple of additional ones just on the events, the trade show. Um, And then also, you know, again, this is not in isolation. It dovetails into other objectives you have. So just a few more comments here. Get ahead of the programs that you might not obviously think are on the chopping block. Again, we know first half 2020, nothing's happening in person, uh, you know, from, from now until Probably more than likely the end of June, but what about the second half? So think of those that are, you know, the latter half of the year and ask the societies, even if they haven't committed yet, what are they considering? What are they thinking? Just so that you've got a note and you kind of know, all right, I got a plan B. If this doesn't happen in person, I'm prepared. I've been thinking about it. I've been planning for it as an alternative. As I mentioned before, you know, getting with your finance team is important for any refunds that might be coming. But this is especially important as medical marketers, um, well, marketers in general, I would say, talk to your finance team and explain there's going to be a shifting in dollars. You know, you have probably had some you know considerable expense in the first half of this year that now is either coming back to you in refunds or is on pause and uh, will be pressed on play later this year that's going to be unusual that's not something that had been forecasted so get with finance explain the shifting of dollars you know as marketers I learned early on and we all are Probably experience the same thing. You spend your money early in the year because by the time third quarter rolls around, you know, you might be asked to cut back and things. So, you know, we usually have a lot of our projects and initiatives underway because we want to protect our dollars. So, this is going to be an exceptional year and we're going to hit heavy in that second half of the year if all of these other trade shows happen uh, that have been uh, already on the books and then also rescheduled. And some of these. Uh, alternatives we discussed about webinars and things you know might be an expense that wasn't forecasted and so just you know having that open discussion with the uh, finance team is going to be a smart move and just getting them to share the you know the burden with you and and be a part of the change that you're talking about another another thing is that if there's a way to develop you know a web-based simulation this is has people sort of going, ah, not my product, but maybe maybe that's wrong. Maybe if you can think about some element of your technology that could become an experiential alternative online to what would have been an in-person hands-on workshop, you know, think about it. It's not ideal, but if there's some element of the product or the procedure that could find its way to an online application, that could be really incredible. Um, I've done those before and I know that they can be fairly cost effective. We've done some for other clients of ours in, you know, probably about the $10,000 budget. But again, as an alternative to that in-person meeting, um, this could be a great resource if one of your main objectives was just product training. And then finally, if you're considering a launch of a product or you were considering that at this conference in April, maybe it was in May, maybe even June, and it's now postponed or canceled, think about, painful as it might be, an adjustment of your launch plan timing to be at the rescheduled event or perhaps a related medical conference in the fall. I know many of our specialties have both a spring and fall event of significance. So again, it's not ideal, but perhaps the best thing given our circumstances is to consider postponement of your launch until you can accomplish that at a future in-person event, perhaps in you know September, October, November timeframe.
0: That's super. Uh, Lisa, this has been really terrific. And I, I think one thing that gives me is some hope that we have other avenues to take in light of the fact that our you know, um, late winter or spring and early summer trade shows have been canceled. So this is great. A lot of great advice that people can take and consider and take action on so that they can try to make something out of this Um, instead of just thinking that all these opportunities are lost. There actually may be some opportunities that they can take advantage of in a different way. They just have to think outside the box. However, we have just touched on one tactical area of the marketing plan and that is the you know essentially events and trade shows. There's there's more, right?
1: Absolutely. As as we talked about kind of at the beginning of this podcast, you know, events is just one element of the marketing mix, but there's so much more to consider beyond just, you know, an event calendar that you might have. So Uh, I look forward to maybe you hosting some additional podcasts that could be shared in the near future. Again, this is all very timely and time sensitive. It's, you know, it's in our, in our face now and uh, you know, putting a podcast together in four months is not as helpful as as making it happen in the next week or two. So I'm hoping that uh, there are other podcasts that you share that talk about, you know, how to best reach customers virtually, uh, you know, maintaining the sales momentum that you probably had going into the year after likely a big national sales meeting in January or February, and then all of a sudden breaks were put on. But how do we pick back up in that January and February enthusiasm and momentum and then help the commercial teams adjust to this unprecedented circumstance that we're in right now. There's a lot more to this topic for sure as a medical marketing department and leadership. So uh, it's important content and thank you for uh, facilitating this and thanks for inviting me today.
0: Oh, it's been wonderful to have you on and I'd like to get right back into some of these other areas that you were just discussing. And I would hope that you would consider uh, coming back and uh, taking some more time and helping all of us out with these other marketing subjects.
1: Absolutely, would be delighted to be a part of that. Uh, you know, as mentioned before, we do uh, sit across multiple specialties, so our focus isn't in just one area of healthcare, but uh, several different healthcare areas. And so, our our view is perhaps unique in that we can, you know, talk about it across the spectrum. So, happy to be a part of that in the future.
0: Again, many thanks to Lisa Bixel of Bixel Medical Marketing Group for taking the time to define our event and trade show situation and challenges in this uh, very uh, difficult environment we're working in right now and giving us concrete steps to take. On every podcast, we have an immediate impact idea that you can implement today. So this one is directly related to the podcast. I'm suggesting that you create a spreadsheet, map out the trade shows for the whole year, which ones you've lost, which ones you may yet lose, and which ones you still have scheduled. In that spreadsheet, next to the trade shows that you've lost, make a crude guess as to what the budget was for those trade shows and put that in the spreadsheet. Then think of two or three ideas, alternate marketing ideas, that will help you reach out to these people you missed at these trade shows and particularly ideas that would create actionable leads for your sales team. Then schedule a meeting with your boss, your colleagues, or your team to discuss. If you liked this podcast, please rate it and uh, consider subscribing to it. In the show notes, I'm going to have a link to Lisa's LinkedIn profile, a link to the Bixel Medical Marketing Group website, I'm going to try to have a link to a COVID-19 events and trade, su- trade show checklist at the Medical Device uh, Success website. If you feel like sharing this podcast with someone, you can do that from the Medical Device Success website or from the Apple Podcast app where you'll find a little purple sphere to the right of the podcast information it has three dots in it. You click those uh, three dots and I think there's a share function there. And finally, if you have any questions for Lisa or me, you can leave them at the Medical Device Success website. We'll get answers back to you, or we'll include those in the next podcast. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Now go win your week.